Welcome to Fort Ram and Goal. Cue the one-shining moment. Let's watch a national championship. Grab a glass, put the game on mute, and take a listen. Let's do this. Welcome to Ford Ram and Goal. I'm your host, Kurt, and I got my co-host, Dick, here. What's up, Trammers? We got a shitload to be discussed tonight, uh, including a re-recording fuck-up on April Fool's Day, which was not a joke to us. Uh, a lot of stuff going on with the Texas Tech coaching situation, a lot of going on with other coaching situations. And then most importantly, we have the national championship game on right now as we speak, and it is off to a rough start. So we're going to get into all that as we get going. Uh, Dick, you have anything else to chime in there about stuff we'll be talking about before you get into our socials? Yeah, I think um, really just to hit on the the fuck up, I, it was an April Fool's joke. That's a long joke that I just pulled on you. Got him. No, but in all reality, this is the, why we do it. Oh, that would have been legendary. <laughs> this is why we do it. We put the game on mute, grab a glass, take a listen, watch the game. We're going to be listening to us as we watch the game. This is why we do it, folks. That's why we're here. Enjoy the party. Enjoy the anecdotes. And bear with us as we kind of piecemeal the two recordings together. We're going to do some stop and start intros. We're essentially going to say, and here's our thought on that. And then you'll hear a little bit about what Kurt and I were drunkenly rambling about. Fair warning and disclaimer. We have one section where it's almost 20 some odd minutes long of us just ranting and arguing back and forth. So bear with us through that as well. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into the socials. We've got Instagram and Twitter out there. That's 4TH at 4th Dram. I typically handle the Instagram. Kurt is heading up to Twitter. Those are great avenues to get in touch with us. We've got the centralized website of 4th Dram and Goal. It's 4TH D-R-A-M-A-N-D-G-O-A-L.com. You can always find all of our stuff there. Um, contact us via email at 4th Dram and Goal at gmail.com. A couple other things to remember is that we need your feedback and we want you to help grow our show. So if you have friends that might listen to us, might it, find us entertaining, don't be afraid to tell them about us. They can go into any of the streaming services out there, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Audible, CastBox, Spotify, the list goes on and on. And they can find us out there and rate and review us. We want to get better. We want to know what's working. So don't be afraid to either send us an email or tell them to send us an email, even just to tell us, go fuck yourself. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into one of our favorite sections of this show. It's really what's in your glass. Now, this is one of those disclaimer parts. We did a whole review on this amazing bourbon called the Prideful Goat by Gulf Coast Distilleries. I'm going to drop that in here. But first, I want to go ahead and go to Kurt and see what he's actually drinking tonight at the time of this recording. I've got a good one tonight, and I uh, had it for the national championship. First and foremost, uh, shout out to Tortilla Dan from La Rancheria Tortillas. Mentioned him before. Really cool guy. Met him at a whiskey uh, tasting a couple weeks ago. Got into talking about whiskey, and I had told him this one that I had not had in particular was real cool about it right right away. Hey, you want a sample? I said, heck yeah, I'll send you what I've got. He sent me this. Awesome guy. Better yet, had the tortillas. Freaking delicious. It's going to be hard not to get them from now on from HEB. Just saying. Uh, a little shout out there. Thanks to him, I am drinking the long talked about Garrison Brothers Cowboy Bourbon. Uh, this bad boy, and unfortunately, I don't. He sent me a picture of the glass. I don't have the side notes. I'm assuming it's the 2020 batch. 
Uh, this is at 133.9 proof. He did send me a front view. I was able to see that. Roughly 215, would you agree? Yeah, I, I found it for 200 one time, but didn't grab it. But yeah, right in that range. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen it less than 200. Always wanted to try it. It's always one of those. Mm, we'll see, and I'll, I'll see tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. What about you, Dick? What do you have in your glass tonight? I'm going the other direction. So we're going more like everyday drinker. This is something we had with our whiskey club. I'm going to polish off this 1792 small batch. This comes in right about 94 proof. I think it's 93.7 exactly. And this is a 28 to low $30 bottle. You can pick up pretty much anywhere. It's probably the most readily available 1792 product. It's a solid choice, man. I think when we reviewed it and there's nothing to be mad at, it's not going to overwhelm you on the palate or like jump in your face. But these are the yin and yang examples of bourbon, right? A affordable, typical Kentucky bourbon versus a Texas kind of pricey specialty bourbon. And I'm curious as we kind of get through this, like how you grade that thing out to really figure out, hey, is it worth the price when if you're actually going to see the bottle and pick it up? Dick, I will allow you to set up what we're drinking tonight. Does that sound good? Yeah, I mean, I can do a, a poor man setup, but you're going to have to give him the details. So this bottle comes at you straight out of Houston, the uh, Gulf Coast Distilleries. And if you listen to our couple podcasts ago, we, we gave some background to the actual story where Kurt took a little uh, adventure down the old loops or whoops, or swoops, or wag, half a wagon wheel you call Houston, whatever is that uh, beautiful, beautiful H-Town, over to a little industrial park where he said he was going to look like he was going to do a drug crime. And I told him it looked like he was sitting in a parking lot straight out of The Departed. So I'm setting the scene for you here. First one there, or so he thought. And I think he was a little nervous, a little nervous. You got the little shy guy going on. And Never I scared. think it ended up being... I think it ended up being one of the best experiences of his life. He got to ask a really intelligent question to one of the world's whiskey connoisseurs and experts. Um, and definitely Check out didn't episode look like 25. <laughs> Pretty sure it was episode 24. Um, did not look like a moron and then blamed the stupid question on me, as he usually does. But coming out of that, I've already had one glass of it. I'm sitting here swirling the second. This is a beautiful whiskey. And Kurt, I want you to tell us some more about it. Absolutely. Are you sure it wasn't 25? I think it was episode 25. I don't know. You're usually wrong. So let's go with a different one. I was 20. It may have even been 23. Who knows? Anyway, uh, this is the Prideful Goat. It's a 15-year Kentucky straight bourbon made at the wonderful Gulf Coast Distillery here in Houston, Texas, which uh, Christopher Hart collaborated with them. He, collab he collaborated with Somebody Say Whiskey. And he collaborated with Bourbon Real Talk, uh, which is another uh, podcast slash YouTube video source. And I never found out the source, but they they put their second batch out. I never got my hands on the first batch. Sell, sold out very quickly. It is uh, 113.8 proof. This is the second batch, like I said. I am very excited to see what Dick has to say about this because I've had to hold on to this bottle very, very tight. Um, and I'm surprised that I still have a little bit left. I was excited to send him two samples. So if we're going to talk about such a heartbreaking. 
topic tonight. I'm glad we are drinking this stuff because it is truly going to put a smile on my face. I firmly believe that bad times call for good whiskey and good times call for bad whiskey. And this is a bad time. So let's drink some good whiskey. It's not a bad time. It's not a bad time. I have two goals tonight. One, I'm going to give you my thoughts on Chris Beard and the move and why I think about him going forward. Two, I'm going to talk about, and I know this is going to be a eulogy. It's going to be depressing for people no matter what from Texas Tech. That's okay. I'm going to give you my best opportunity, my best you know effort going forward to show that there's room to be optimistic, and we will talk about all that as we get going. So um, which, which one of the 12 stages are you in right now? <laughs> okay, so we're not going to lie. We've got a long one tonight, but hey. That's what we're here to do. We're here to have a good time on a good night. And right now, it's not looking so good for Gonzaga. It's 23-10, to 10, still early, halfway through the first. So lots of basketball to be played, but a little worrisome if I'm a Zag fan. I think that's a great segue right there, Kurt. I mean, our second dram really is titled Headlines and a Roy Williams tribute. So let's talk about the finals, man. You already started it out. Let's talk about Zaga. So uh, – We've got to talk about that game the other day, UCLA versus Gonzaga. Instantly, phone started blowing up from friends that knew I'm a college basketball fan, even a couple of people that I hadn't talked to in a while, saying, what do I think about that game? And honestly, it was probably top five on games I've watched over time. UCLA being scrappy, not just not letting Gonzaga get away with it. And then, of course, that shot that the second he let it go, you're like, looks good. And then the classic, bang. So uh, did you get to watch that one? Actually, I know you watched that one because we were texting. Yeah, we were texting. And the crazy thing about it, man, is a little backstory. We had some friends over who are going to be moving here pretty soon. And I committed, hey, we're going to watch Zilla versus Kong. That was like a big fanboy thing for me and my buddy. And we have it out in the backyard. have the projector up on the 110-inch screen. And I was like, you know what? Let's watch the game because we were watching it in the bar. Went outside, finished watching it. And they don't watch sports at all, which is crazy. They call it sports ball, and they always kind of like make fun of me because I love sports. And we watched it with them. And How when he hit that the guy shot, who watches sports gets made fun of. In a very select situation, it happens. Wow. Um, Interesting. When they when Suggs hit that shot, Cancel my friend looked at me and was looked at me and goes, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "This is why you watch sports ball." <laughs> That reminds me of the movie Role Models at the end of the movie where they're doing the, the uh, what is it? It's like fake Dungeons and Dragons, and he's all, it's exciting, right? LARP. LARP. <laughs> S- Live action me, role play. Send me your email. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> that, that's exactly what that reminded me of. Anyway, continue. It's kind of like the inverse relationship to that, right? Yeah. Um, it was a hell of a, dude. The UCLA fan reactions and like you're like, holy shit, we're going to a second overtime. And then Suggs was like, hold my beer. I've got this and jumped on the table and made a comment afterwards about be- trying to be like D Wade. And D Wade was like, I jumped on my table when you did that. Well, he yeah, he did release. Really, he said man. he had always wanted to jump on a table like D Wade and Kobe. And then D Wade said, I even jumped on my table again. <laughs> um, I do agree with your your assessment though. This was an instant classic. Like if you remember playing NCAA football and be like when you had a hell of a game, an instant classic. This was that. I like that reference. Uh, yeah, a lot of the ones you know, 
I try not to think about uh, the tech game against Virginia, but that was a good one. That went into overtime. The others that I instantly remember are the the uh, Gordon Hayward half court shot against Duke. Great game. I think of the '97 Kentucky versus Arizona national championship that went into overtime. Great game. Six pulling off the upset, beating the three number ones on the way. Uh, speaking of Arizona, yeah, let's let's talk about it. Women's national championship just continued the year of excitement in COVID history here. Seriously, it was a hell of a game, man. I mean, it went up to the final seconds. I was hoping they would bear down and pull off that last second shot. Um, so predictions, even though it's hard to make predictions right now, it's 29 to 12. I was worried about Gonzaga, which is, is very easy to say right now, because Baylor really handled uh, Houston. And Houston. Houston was a good team. And Gonzaga had a heck of a fight with UCLA. That's not hard to see. I mean, that was a battle. So I was worried about them in that sense. Gonzaga did kind of make me eat crow, saying they always blew it. They were always going to be that team. They've made it this far, and if they can turn this into a game, I'm actually kind of rooting for them over Baylor. Yeah, I think when you look at how Zaga's played in the first like five minutes of the game, it was just brick, 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 brick. They were just off to a slow start from the field. But if they hit their stride, I've seen I've seen Baylor almost blow it before, and Zaga has the firepower to get back at him. So it's a tale of two halves, man. Nobody the only the only thing that really matters in sports is keep it competitive until the last two minutes, especially in college basketball. Yeah, Baylor is getting after it though, playing scrappy. I've seen a dirty block shot, and now they just got a Gonzaga got an offensive foul, so Baylor forced their turnover. Um, Did you see the uh, the block shot that went straight into that yes, Zaga, that's Zaga what, player's nose? That was nasty. That was disrespectful. Uh, you yeah, that, that'll some, be a meme. As soon as we – like the Sam Darnold memes today that were flying off like in five minutes after the trade happened, those were awesome. You want to get in and set our listeners up for that news? Yeah, for sure. I think you already kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, NFL news, that's the big thing happening right now. And, you know, if we talk about it's 4-5, I mean, it's April 5th right now. The next 72 hours are going to be crazy, I, I think. And maybe it'll happen sooner, but I think 72 hours is that sweet spot where things are going to kind of hit the wheels in motion. And Kurt's going to give you some more line of sight to what we're talking about here. But J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 they're swinging for the fences. Something's happening. So a storm's a brewing, and Peter Griffin is throwing Sam Darnold off of boats in the memes. So, Kurt, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, the rumor bill's buzzing. What do you think's actually going to happen? Okay, so I know a couple times I get into Mister Specific, and that's that's not always fun. So I'll just, I mean, it was Carolina Jets trade. Carolina gets uh, Sam Darnold a second round pick next year, a sixth round pick this year, and I think a fourth round pick next year. The Panthers, they gave away the eighth pick this year. I don't know. I don't know what else was in all that. I'm not going to. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a lot going on there. Starting with the Jets. All I've heard is Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson on a lot of shows. Even uh, Pat McAfee broke the news today, and he even said that they're, you know, it's all in on Zach Wilson. I've, I've mentioned before, Zach Wilson reminds me a lot of Pat Mahomes in a certain way. Uh, he's definitely built up his draft stock. Definitely a lot more than Pat Mahomes did during his draft. Uh, I think this kid is really riding a wave after that pro day. Yeah, Pat uh, Mahomes was a, was a sleeper, for sure. 
Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say sleeper. I say he was the gamble. This kid's turning into not the gamble. He's going to be taken at two from from what's happening. Unless something else that I won't talk about yet uh, happens. I know. I just, I think, I mean, I get it. I, I've seen the video. He looks good. I just, in my back of my head, and I could be like, com- in, my, in the back of my head, and I could be completely wrong about this. The Mitch Trubisky alarm is just beep, beep, beep back there. Like, I just like, are we going again? Like, and, and I, then, I and don't then, necessarily squash that because I did see some tweets that are like, is Sam Darnold really a downgrade from, I mean, vice versa, is Zach Wilson really an upgrade from Sam Darnold? And then you talk about like Daniel Jones, man. I mean, that's another like kind of outlier right there. It kind of like, I don't say alarm, but like there's that like, it's another prime example of like UNC Duke, you know, like, do you really take these quarterbacks that are from like these not really powerhouse conferences? I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I Very sound on Daniel Jones. I think it was an okay gamble by the Jets because Sam Darnold is always going to be Mr. Questionable. Does he go on to Carolina and do really good things? I hope I he does. I, 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 hope hope he does. He, I hope he does too. But then again, how much better is he than O'Shea Teddy Bridgewater? I don't know because there's still a question mark on him. And I think that's what everyone will always look back and say. Eh, at the end of the day, Sam Darnold was definitely not something – untradeable obviously at this point you made a comment when we were texting and you said that's kind of cheap like as far as like what they paid for him in the in the version of like draft sock and draft picks i kind of disagree with that because you're, you're making the point right now like sam donald's questionable he hasn't proven himself he's not a slam dunk yeah these aren't like you know three number one picks in a row or for three years straight but I don't know that I would have made that gamble. I, to your point, I think I would have just stuck with Teddy. And that's here in our notes. Like, what does this mean for Teddy? Well, cheap as in there's no first rounders. There's no, there's no that's first rounders. That's the one thing right. that is when you see that, and it's not even a second round this year. So you got some leeway. Let's say you do really good things. It's a mid to late second round pick next year. Right now, it's cheap. Uh, so to, to clarify that. History will tell. Time, time exactly. will tell. Exactly. I don't know. Is it is it worth it? Let's just let's lay that out there. Did Carolina make did Carolina make the right trade? And did the Jets do the right thing? It, I think it was a, a win for the Jets. At the end okay. of the day, they're gonna get Zach Wilson unless something else happens, are Justin Fields, and they've also got the eight pick for now. Did, Panthers, did Carolina lose? I think Panthers said, okay, we you know, we made Teddy Bridgewater unhappy. We need a quarterback, and we need a quarterback now, and it's not going to be Deshaun Watson with everything going on or because the Houston Texans are not trading him. Or they don't have enough to offer. Yeah. So Watson's a, a, a wild card here. Everything's going on. If you're the Jets, and somebody made an awesome tweet, and I really got to do better at who's putting these tweets out. Okay, the Jets have the ability to get Watson if all this legal stuff gets cleared up. That's not likely. This may be in court for a while. Uh, on Carolina's side, like I said, it's we're not getting Watson um, at the eight spot. We may not get the guy we want. Let's get Sam Darnold. So, meh. <laughs> That's why I think about it. It's just a meh. We'll see. All right, so I think that really hits the big NFL moves. We talked about the rumor mill, the thoughts, everything going on. There's a lot of even trade talks with 
you know, is Watson on the table? Watson's got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff going on. More stuff seems to come out every day. MLB opening day happened. Do we care? I do. I always check the Yankees. The Yankees lost a series against the Blue Jays. Um, the Strohs swept, didn't they? The Strohs did kick that athletics ass, and I think that was more of a A's talked a whole bunch of shit. They did, indeed. And they, the Astros even did some things like, you know, Altuve's you know, scored on that pop-up to second, caught the second baseman sleeping. There was Correa who just nailed the shit out of the A's runner. So there was some things going on there. Um, Yankees. Would did you say there's the, some love lost there? <laughs> not at all. Uh, Yankees did kick the Orioles ass today. So that's a little smile. I mean, opening day is cool. Uh, I, there have been years where I've had the day free and I'll sit there and I'll do the hot dogs and I'll do the beers and we'll watch it. I didn't get, I didn't do that this year. That it was more of a check score because I was at work. Uh, but it's an exciting time. It's, you know, one of the major sports is starting up. Do I drop everything I'm doing like football season? Absolutely not. Um, I wouldn't even say it's that much worse than basketball opening day because, you know, it is a big thing being at the ballpark. There's so many classic. games. Yeah. There's it so many is, games. But the first one's always one to remember. I only care about the last seven, so yeah, gotcha. I let's let's talk about the MLB though. Let's talk about like getting into it a little bit more. There is a big decision made. The MLB is taking a stance, and I would be one to go out there and say I agree with the stance. I agree with the the move. They're moving the Major League Baseball All Star Game out of Atlanta, and when we talk about like the impact of baseball in the community of baseball, you're talking about Baseball has one of the, the highest average age of a fan of all the major league sports. So you're talking about trying to rear back and they're trying to essentially make themselves younger, make themselves more appealing to the young crowd. And I think this move is, is a testament to that. They're moving the game. We're talking about this is huge revenue impact to Georgia and Atlanta. Numbers I've seen are about $100 million impact negative impact to the tourism industry specifically within Atlanta and then Georgia as a state. That's a big decision, man. And we don't get political in here, but it's a sports move. And where do they go from here? I mean, it's not really a question of, is it the right decision? It's just, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, yeah, I won't get too political, but it, I mean, it's, it's an obvious economic decision. Uh, and it had a ripple effect. Governor, Governor Abbott, whether you like him or not, canceled his first pitch that he was supposed to throw out today. Uh, the Rangers were the, you know, the one team they've had the largest audience today with their opening day um, since COVID happened. And I think the governor even said they will not be hosting any MLB uh, big events in Texas. So whether you want to get political or not, there's a sports effect there. If I'm a Braves fan that didn't like these laws, I'm the one guy going, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> like, why do I have to suffer? So they're the, one, they're the ones that I instantly thought of. Um, but, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens and what comes from this. I think they just need to take it to Colorado so we can get a hell of a home run derby. Thinner air, 
longer flights. I like the way you think there, buddy. Hey, I'm all about uh, pumping it up. Want that uh, long distance. Yeah. Gonzaga trying to chop away at this tree already. It's 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 a deficit as they hit commercial break. Um I, I want to talk a little bit about something that's not on here. It's Timmy. Like this dude Tom I haven't Green. watched Yeah, Tom Green. Uh Tom Green with a handlebar mustache, however you want to like describe him. One of the most effective players we've seen in the tournament. One of the Surely when you watch him, he doesn't look like he should be that good because he's slow but quick, long and lanky. He's got this Bill Walton-esque movement and vibe to him. He's the guy you see at the Y playing ball, and he's going to That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I'm going to ball up on this dude. And he just I've, like, I've played that guy before. Just fundamentals all over. He, he's, the guy, he's literally the guy that shows up after you've got going. He shows up in a hoodie. And he's like, hey, can I can I play with you guys? And then he beats the living shit out of you. I've I've had that happening at a, at a gym before, and that that was him. It was it, it was him actually. Was the, actually, the guy who did that to us <laughs> one time we played, I thought it was one of the Barry brothers. That's exactly who he looked like. Brent, one of them, and he just iced us. It was ugly. All right, so I think we've all been in that kind of situation where you just get embarrassed, and your boys look at you, and you're like. What the fuck just happened? And time to go get some Dairy Queen, right? Basically, that's what happened. Or or a whiskey, one or the other. Uh, at the time, it was probably more of a Whataburger session afterwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to go eat my feelings now. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our first insert of the April Fool's Massacre. We wanted to talk about Roy Williams. He had announced his retirement that day. It was weird because it was like the first breaking news on April Fool's, so you didn't know whether to believe it or not. Uh, Dick was very defensive. But, yeah, let's just let our uh, talking do it for us. Take a listen. So let me lay the background about how today went. It is April Fool's. So as somebody who follows sports media closely, you have to tread lightly. So sure enough, I woke up, and there was a good one this, this morning. It was a Twitter post that said Russell Wilson was traded to the Bears. I sent it to Dick. Dick sent me back. You've got to be shitting me. Dick, this is your chance. Did you believe me for any amount of time, or did you instantly know it was April Fool's? So I didn't believe you because you of did because of- you texted me. That's bullshit. You did text me. But I immediately said, that's bullshit. Like, there's no fucking way. I forgot that it was April Fool's. I mean, I, I do this thing in the morning where I just... But I knew it was bullshit in the back of my head because I was like, no, they just said all that shit about Dalton being their quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Honestly, okay, so you would have really got me had all the Dalton shit not gone down. So I got him. All right. Uh, The second thing, Dick is... It was a half gotcha. Dick is cautious now, and I sent him Roy Williams retired, and it literally took like four texts, and Dick was still like, I'm not believing fact. Like, I don't believe anything. I don't care if ESPN does report it. I'm not believing it. Right. And I was like, no, this is ESPN official. What a shitty day to do it, though. I know. Um, And then things got pretty serious real quick. And and there was no opportunity to believe it was April Fool's because as soon as you looked up Chris Beard on Twitter, there was like five sources. So it would have had to have been the greatest April Fool's like like, uh, collaborative joke there could have been. He was going to Texas pretty early today. Texted Dick, 
Dick was like, are you sure? I said, I'm positive. April 1st was a very important date. Tech basically had this thing in the contract. So if you listened to our last episode, I set myself up. The key word today is being realistic. I set myself up for this. I had a, a an approach to it that I was ex- I was possibly expecting it. I was not shocked. April first was a big deal. Texas literally gets a two thousand dollar two million dollar pay cut if they signed him today. And if you know Chris Beard, he's a very emotional guy. That's why the silence the last four days was worrisome for me because it was literally waiting till this day to announce, "Hey, I'm going back home." Essentially. Oh, great and powerful Kurt Rodamas. Tell us what else you see in the future. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was not a joke from the get-go. And uh, Chris Beard signed with uh, UT. I like to call but, him you. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. And I knew Dick was going to have some, definitely had some comments for today's episode. Oh, Dick comments. That's what I do. Yes. Um all right, but before we get into that, that's going to be the third and fourth round. I want to get into the second round because I'm not going to take away from this guy. This is big news today. Roy Williams Dude. retired. Which I also didn't believe. Right, but it happened. He had a press conference. I shared it earlier. Um, Otherwise, you, it would be the biggest gotcha ever. What are your thoughts on Roy Williams? What are your thoughts on... You know what? Why don't we get into our little conversation earlier... <laughs> After you tell me your thoughts on Roy Williams, go. I mean, Roy Williams Roy, is Roy Williams. I mean, I think if you talk about like modern era greats, probably like Kurt and I's childhood and maybe before, um, there's very few coaches in college that, that have stood the test of time. Coach K is one of them. Um, Woodson, what, what the hell is his name? Woodson, UCLA back in the day? John Woodson. Yeah. Woodson is another. John you know, Wooden. Think John of, Wooden. Wooden, sorry. Wooden is another. That was a little bit before our time. But beyond that, I mean, you have these, I won't say flash in the pan, but these kind of short stint, non-legacy coaches. I know I'm forgetting a bunch, but you get what I'm saying. You have Shaka Smart, right? Great if VCU goes to Texas, you know, flash man doesn't pan out. Um, you look at football, same situation. But there, there's these like inherently like dynasty-driven coaches that when they retire <clears> – <throat> It truly is an end of an era, and those are huge shoes to fill. Um, I, I do not envy the man that has to fill those shoes. I just don't. Um, I think it's a hard place to come up from behind a great and actually succeed. You're going to see the same thing when Saban retires, and I think if you talk about greatest coaches of all time, basketball is harder to win championships, and I mean, it really is. You got Coach K. You got yeah, it's literally, it's literally one loss in a tournament, yeah. and you're out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think about how many one-loss seasons Saban's had and won the championship. I mean, and there's a lot fewer games, right? But I think when you talk about just every college coaches in general, you're going to put Roy Williams with them. There's nothing you can take away from that. He built that. He built that program in the modern era. Kurt's going to kind of back me up on. Yeah, there was someone before him, and I'm not going to argue with that. But if you think about the social media era, the the televised era, the really bring the forefront and the multi-million dollar contracts, Roy Williams was was part of that, man. So. That's what I got to say about that. That's good stuff, Dick. Um, That's good, Dick. Um, Roy Williams. That's uh, I mean, Roy Williams, man. There's not, there's not really much of a bad thing to say. 
in a world of constant controversy when it comes to recruiting and things like that, I would ha- I, I did not I can't think of anything right off the top for Roy Williams. Did great things at the Kansas program, uh, won two national championships at North Carolina. Did the right things. If you heard his speech today about you know nobody will love coaching as much as me, and even said that he was he wouldn't even consider himself the best. There's not a lot to dislike about Roy Williams. Now, they're not liking North Carolina. That is possible, and that will lead to our next discussion here in a second. But let's let's say this about Roy Williams, too, not to take away, but he won a national championship with fucking Tyler Hansbrough as a star. That's a lot. I mean, that says a lot. That's saying a lot about his coaching. Yes, (laughs) it does. That's exactly. Um, The first national championship, Sean May had had a – Fulton was on that one, maybe Felton, Fulton. Fuck. Sorry, I've been drinking. Uh it, it was a good one. Um yeah, so there's not a lot to dislike about Roy Williams. All right. And so coming back from that, what you really want to hear from us and why you listen to the show most likely, other than Kurt's horrible sports and whiskey predictions, are Hey, fuck you, man. Fuck you, R-R. <laughs> I do it myself. What you really want to listen to is like our, our nosing, right? Or in our tasting and our grading of the whiskey that we're drinking. So we were drinking Prideful Goat this night. Great glass. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go and take a pause, and then I'm going to drop in our nosing notes for the so, Prideful Goat. And here I'm enjoying it, it now, and I'm taking my notes from what we talked about earlier, see if I can add anything to it. But it's so sweet. There's so much like brown sugar, charred marshmallow. It's just like charred goodness. Um, brown sugar, vanilla. I get it on like the back end. So one thing I do, and I know people can't see me, but I take the glass and I bring it farther down and then kind of stick my nose in the back half of the glass, kind of get the aura off of the uh, the back half of the whiskey as it's kind of tilted. Too much visualization there. Bubblegum. Honey. Red fruit. Faint, but there. I, there's nothing negative to say about this, man. There's nothing negative. No. And so what I do a good job at is if I'm pouring something, I usually can hold it together and I will just nose a glass during the second dram. I've caught I just I've caught myself it. sipping out of this several times. I keep going straight to a sip because it's that good. Um can, can I say this? If you were going to be a bourbon candle, which there's a bunch of, a bourbon body wash, whatever, this is what it should smell like. I mean, I have no arguments there. I texted you right away when I was explaining this to you in my excitement to get it to you. If you took cherries and you threw them into a barrel and then you did the burning process and you you got it going. You charred the cherries. That's what this smells like. Yeah. If 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 this is what COVID gave you was just smelling this for the rest of your life, <laughs> I'd have COVID all the time. Yes. Cherry, cherry, red cherry, dark cherry. Do you get the bubble gum though? Like the honey? Like I don't. It's a. I, there's a gummy. It's maybe not bubble gum, but. It's hard to get, like, if anything, the cherry is so strong 
that maybe I get yeah. vanilla and oak in the background, it's hard to get anything else because I literally have that visual. Oh, see, I get- and I want to, uh, <laughs> I listened to our last episode. There's a lot of licking things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better at that. I'm just telling you how I feel, folks. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help it. Uh, it's, it's your MO. This is, it's Kurtish. Um, not Kurtish. Yes, that's, that's Kurtish. the first thing I envisioned. If somebody put, cherries in a new oak barrel and just toasted it toasted them on the outside left a couple in the center you know fresh and that's what i'm getting on the nose this nose is phenomenal and the sad part is i don't know what it's sourced from so yeah i don't know who this is but whoever they got it from it's it's great so what's your grade on the nose i rarely give these out a plus like this is this is the cat's meow this is everything you want it to be that there aren't enough words for what this should be you're not getting an argument from me i will give that an a plus as well this is this is nose heaven so coming back from that what we're going to do is go ahead and get into that third dram as we likely already said and this is kind of a weird situation here. We went on one of probably the longest arguments, rants that we've ever done with each other. And it got a little defensive, got a little heated. Um, Kurt uh, tried to pull the old, let me ask you questions that are very pointed and then say, see, I told you so. It didn't no, work. No, no, no. It didn't work. I'm going to argue I won that argument. There was a lot of, at the end, I think you were coming to a lot of conclusions that you were like, oh, the Kurt Chodramas. Uh, oh, because you tried to pull this like again. Kurt level Kurt jujitsu mind no, fuck thing. It I think work. you did this dick thing where your broad statement is dumb, so then you try to break it down into specifics, and then I just karate chopped the shit out of those boards one at a time. But let's let's and, and you, you stubbed your finger a few times at least. Agree to disagree. <laughs> All right. So I think neither of us are gonna are going to give in to we lost this argument. So Take a listen and make the judgment for yourself. And ultimately, if you pick a winner, email us. If you email and say that Dick lost, I'm going to email you back and say, fuck you. All right. So go ahead and take a listen to this very lengthy discussion, um, very scholarly discussion, per se. So let's talk about our text message. And I got a feeling this is not going to be a quick hitter. Um, But if you're a true fan, you'll listen. And if not, entertain us. Dick sent me a quick text. And then he said, I feel like, because this was beard, this was in the maybe the 15 minute span that Roy Williams retired. And there was maybe a couple twi- tweets saying that Chris Beard maybe can go to UNC or Texas. That was like, that was like a 15 to 20 minute window. Dick said, I feel like Texas is a better. What's up? Uh, I went to get something. All right, dude. I feel like Texas is a better. I said, quote. I can see Texas being more attractive than UNC, though. Okay. And I replied, yes, thinking he meant the only reason that Chris Beard is going to Texas. The fact that that's... You said, said, yeah, true. I said more money, more fans, more exposure. If he does well, and who the fuck 
would want to have to follow okay, Roy and, Williams. And you said, LOL, okay, no Then way. he lost me. And that's where okay, we got I'm off I'm glad you put the exact yeah. quotes. I said, yeah, true, for the simple fact that Chris Beard went to Texas. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. Plain and simple, Dick. And I told you I was going to do this. Nothing but a simple dick. There is no way that you're going to argue that Texas is a better basketball gig than UNC. So this is where I want to put multiple. There is no way you are going to argue that Texas is a better basketball gig than UNC. Go. (laughs) Okay. So there's multiple factors here. If you're saying is Texas a better basketball gig than UNC today? Answers no. Okay, no, never. Never. It's not never. Let me hear me out. No, no, hear me out. (laughs) Not, not no. If you are a coach and you are going to get hired for the UNC job, you're going to have nothing but high expectations. They've had the same coach for the last 15, 20 years. Why do you have those high expectations? Because you're from a winning program. No, because it's UNC. With his. Yeah, it's a winning program before Roy Williams. I'm not arguing with you there. They have a history of winning, right? And so you're going to be expected to win. You're being given all of the, the gates to the kingdom. You should come I'm in and be able to do what Roy Williams did. Because it's UNC. <clears throat> because it's one of the best basketball it's, programs it's in the Dean country. It's Dean Smith. It's Michael Jordan. It's Jerry Stackhouse. It's UNC. Yeah, no, I, I okay. got you there. Okay. I'm not, I'm not arguing these points Continue. My my point here is Texas is the better gig, and this is why. I want to the scream at you and let you finish at the same time. Okay, okay. <laughs> the question: What is the better basketball gig? And you are saying right now that Texas is the better gig. I'm saying right now that. UNC is the better program. Texas is the better gig. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to be hard to be sure. I've had a lot to drink sure. tonight. I know. Go for it. I know. Okay. Make your point. I'm going to take a step before I do. So I've already outlined by why UNC is the better historical program, right? In the next two to three years, that success, that pride, that fandom does not go anywhere, whether you win or lose. But your ability to hold that gig down is specifically driven on your ability to repeat and redo or do better what Roy Williams and his predecessors have done before him. There's a lot of history there. When you look at the Texas gig, there's very little history. There's very little success other than you're talking about the early 2000s and maybe back in the, what, 70s, 80s, if that. <clears throat> but when you talk about the modern social media area era, Texas basketball has underperformed what their maximum potential is by a landslide. We live in Texas. And most of our listeners probably do, if not all of them. But if you don't, there's one thing you need to know is that the quickest way to drum up $400 million, if you're the Texas Athletic Department, is for your football program to win eight games and make a make a decent bowl. Now, you, 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 keep, you started talking about football. That's Hear me out. Because that's it's, not it's, the conversation. Intertwined. They are dovetailed. You ask no, me what's the better game, and I'm getting to my point. Yes, they are the okay, Texas okay, Athletic Department. Then, okay. So to the point. So okay, get to your point. Get to your point. Okay. All right. Underperformance. You can take every T 
t-shirt football fan that is a that slaps on the longhorns on the back of their truck or slaps on a burn orange t-shirt on saturday and turn them into a basketball fan very easily from the standpoint no, where no, you, yes you, you can. can no yes you can because you you don't let me finish it's hard to right now. It's very yeah, hard sure. to. Okay. And, and, we did, and we did the same thing during text. It was very hard to let you, I saw the little bubbles popping up and I, I was screaming, shut the fuck up. Like, stop. But okay. Go you ahead. disagree. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not asking you to agree. I'm giving you my point. I'm giving you my, my point of view, if you will. My point of view. Ultimately Your point of view sucks. <laughs> how? 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 Because you're talking about money. You're talking about money equals facilities facilities equal recruits the maximum potential in the sheer so amount of you volume think that of fans see basketball can't compete with texas basketball facilities right now or in the future ever yes so you think they can never compete with ut basketball no in facility I'm saying if, if a coach comes in and does okay and then does well and wins and maintains his job and continues to build a program from, I don't say from scratch, but from where they are right now, the sheer amount of money that was thrown at the basketball program from the athletic department that derives so much from t-shirt fans throwing money at the football program will then be reverted back to the basketball program in Texas, if so facto, becomes a basketball school. Much like my argument that Texas has become a basketball state. And people don't care what the sport is. People care more about winning and be able to say, my team won. And I bought the t-shirt. And that t-shirt drives money. And the team in the athletic department will pump money, more money than UNC will ever see and ever imagine based off their revenue into a basketball program, facilities, coaches, salaries, which equal recruits time over and time over what UNC's maximum capacity is simply based off the fan, simply based off the fact that our maximum volume for fans that are TU fans, they have their own fucking network for God's sakes. When their football team was decent, it failed because they started failing, but if they would have succeeded, it would have skyrocketed. And you cannot sit there and tell me that Texas can't corner the market on fans, much like Michigan fans do much like Notre Dame fans do and revert that money back into a basketball program. You just can't UNC. Great historic. They have to fight with. They have Chapel Hill. They have to fight with. Fuck. Okay. They have to fight with Duke. They have to fight with everybody else within that ACC conference and that entire East Coast great squad of schools. And their their population density is limited based off geography. Here in Texas, our population density is not limited off geography. You're only an A and M fan. You're only a Tech fan if you went there. You're a Texas fan because you bought a fucking T-shirt, and that's what they're competing with. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the Benjamins. In my best Stephen Smith voice, are you done? <laughs> In my best Can Shannon I Sharp voice, fuck you. Shannon Sharp. No, Shannon Sharp doesn't say fuck Sharp you. Does it go with Stephen Smith? <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. But can I go? Okay. You go I've, let you, I've, let, I've let you talk for a while. All right. Why don't you and get those I've eyes real you. big at me? I've let you do the nonsense. So let me throw some some perspectives at you. Probably took more of a skip Bayless. Okay. True or false? Has Duke football had some good years in the last 10 years? Simple two, question. Has two, Dave two, Cutliffe been successful at football? Two good years, yeah, sure. 
Has North Carolina been good at football? Three good years, sure. Have they come anywhere close to taking over the popularity of the basketball program? We're not talking about the same thing. No, 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 no. You want to make, no, you want to compare football. I'm not even talking about football earlier, but if you want to do those comparisons, answer the question. You're not taking into account the regional geography and population density. Okay. You want to take, you want to take region into account? Mm Mm-hmm. What does Texas love more than anything in the whole world? And it will never change. What does Texas love? Yes. Or the University of Texas? Like TU no, 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 or no, no, Texas no, no, no. State? You want to talk about regions. Mm-hmm. What does Texas love more than anything besides Whataburger and Lone Star Beer? Tell me. Just answer it. Simple question. Football. Football. All right. So this whole like... If my my football program gets good, the basketball program gets no, good. That's not, that's not what I said. Okay, okay, okay. If I get fans, the football mm-hmm. fans will become basketball fans. That's not the case. And it's it's not the case because UT's already been decent at basketball. Kevin Durant, TJ Ford, Final uh, no, Four. No, we're talking about these same teams. No, yeah, the sure. fan bases were nowhere close to each other. They definitely, they definitely exploded they during those better. years. They exploded. Yeah, but if you have sustained Great. success over a period of time like UNC okay. has been able to do, it'll continue to and double that, and triple that, over itself. That helps if you're comparing yourself to a decent program, but you're talking about North Carolina. You're talking mm-hmm. about Duke, Kentucky, UNC, possibly UCLA 20 years ago, maybe UConn, and then everybody else in the world mm-hmm. of college basketball. And what made them that way? Uh, Longevity. Winning. And longevity. Winning. And my my argument here, my argument here, yes. My argument here is if you put a coach in place like Chris Beard that can do what Roy Williams did at the end of his tenure, he will be, Texas will be at a higher maximum capacity for fans and stands, butts and seats, t-shirt sales than no, UNC no, and Duke. Wrong, yes. wrong. All right. So I'm let me ask wrong. you this. What do they use where North Carolina plays basketball for? What is the only sole reason they use that court? I don't know. Basketball games. You know, the new stadium at Texas is not even going to be, it's not even solely for the university of Texas. It's going to be a shared sure. stadium. So you're, you're, you're arguing two, we're arguing two different points here. No, we're not. There's one yes, simple question. What's the better basketball gig? You're talking I'm gonna about say USC Texas. that is the Mount Rushmore of North of, of, right. of bas- college basketball. Which if you, if you don't make a sweet 16 within the first two to year, three years, you will be fired. That doesn't make it not the better basketball gig because you are still betting on the opportunity to go down in the history books at the University of North Carolina. Other than the guy that turned University of Texas around to a two, we had two Sweet Sixteens in four years and one, you know, uh, Final Four in those four years. And I'm the sorry, are you gross, talking about? Are you talking about the last guy that was at Texas? No, I'm talking about Chris Beard. Oh, oh, the my upswing, bad. Sorry. The upswing okay. is a lot higher at Texas than it is UNC. Mm. That, I, let, let's just take it this way. I want to oh, let's talk about it this way. All right, you talk about success measures, right? If you're able to take a team from being a 500 team, that's but you're, you're what is the better basketball gig? Texas, because that's you're getting more away money, from it. More res- no, I'm not. I, I just answered the question. No, more you're money, talking about more resources. Upswing. The, you're okay. So 
you're putting it in terms of possibility. Yes. I'm putting you bet it on in yourself. terms of history. Oh, but that but but history uh, doesn't uh, pay uh, the uh, bills. Uh, history doesn't pay the bills. What? Possibility. <laughs> North Carolina is a brand name. Sure. Okay. Like <laughs> Yeah. We but knew if you this was but, gonna get this was this was awesome in text and it's if, even if better you, in person. If, if you take if you take would you rather take oh, okay. two here's my here, okay, wait, can I okay. So you said Can I talk? Can I talk? No, you cannot. You said <laughs> you said the University of Texas has their own channel. Right? They did. The AM fan base mm-hmm. does it compete with UT? No. So you're telling me that UT has a better fan base than the AM football fan base. So I'm not better is a is a subjective assessment. You want to talk about objective? Okay, but you threw the TV channel out there. Yeah. A&M doesn't have a TV channel, but I can right. guarantee you I've been to A&M Cause we games. Because we weren't they can... Okay, so then that, that was part of your argument. That holds no water then. But you cannot define, you cannot take away from the pure revenue that that deal gave Texas. Okay, you go to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? I don't want to go there because if you go to Carolina, that makes it. You go to, let's say you go to fucking California, the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. What are the better chances? Are you going to find Texas basketball fans or are you going to find North Carolina basketball fans? Texas basketball fans. No, you're not. You're not because UNC basketball is a brand name. I, I'm not. I, I said that to fuck with you. Hear me out. You'll find UNC because UNC has sustained success. These are these are points that I'm not arguing with you. Let's just be clear. I'm not arguing the fact that UNC. Oh, hold on. Let me just let me level set here. Okay. I'm not going to argue any points, but I want to level set in the fact that everything you're saying. I'm not arguing the fact that historical success UNC has the upper hand. Right. You could even argue Duke has better, but we're not about open jobs. UNC does not does not Duke te- is on the Mount oh, Rushmore. I'll give them that. Sure, UNC is the better historical job. Yes, 100%. Texas is a not a storied program, is much more involved in football, puts more of their money into their football program. Not arguing with that. But when you ask me what gig, do you disagree with that point? You're just saying a lot of things that are really making it hard to prove your perspective well, no well that's what i, I want to want to level set on a few things because okay. i don't want to continue to argue okay. these points okay i'm not so I'll, i said those two right but if you talked about what's the better gig and i wanted to find the word gig what job would i rather take if i'm chris beard in this situation my point here is if you talk about going and filling roy williams shoes where they're going to have little patience for 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 rebuilds or little patience for getting the ropes or little patience for understanding the conference and winning, they're going to expect like they did with Shaka. Exactly. Hear me out here. Sweet 16s. They're going to expect final fours, right? And if you don't achieve those within two to three years, much like the Texas football program, you're going to be out. One of my point here is you have Chris Beard who has proven to win in the same conference and take teams deep into the, the attorney. He can likely do the same thing with Texas. By pulling in transfers, we've had this conversation about him being very good at that specifically. If he takes Texas to the round of 32 one time, one time in the first three years, that's considered success. 
Not to me, not to a basketball fan. But to Texas and their basketball program, it is. So therefore, he gets more runway. He gets more upswing on it, right? He can continue to build upon it. And it's truly what being a college coach is, is building a dynasty like Roy Williams did. You're giving, I'll, me, I'll, a lot of, you're giving me a lot of fuel here. There still isn't. <laughs> but you're asking me what gig it is. So my, my, my question to you, my question to you is, would you rather take, and these are hypothetical numbers, a $30 million contract for three years with knowing that if you don't have immediate success and hit those sweet 16s and elite eights, final fours within the first three years that you're going to be terminated, or would you rather take a $25 million contract for four years knowing that if you take one round of 32 and one 16 within those four years that you'll be renewed again? So do you want to bet on yourself short-term for the immediate success to say, I was a coach at UNC and I eh, may performed, or would you rather take a bet on yourself that I can build this program and reach the heights that Roy Williams built that program up to be or, could, or took it to and win championships with building my team, not inheriting Shaka Smarts guys? All right. So there's a couple of things to dissect there. Sure. So what job do you this, want? It's too, it's this so was not a what was best for Chris Beard question. But that's how I took it because you said what's a better gig? Gig is what job. What is the better basketball gig? Yeah, gig is job. What's a better basketball gig? What job do I want right. on Chris Beard? That's the question. What's a better what's basketball the, program? Okay, so if you ask me what the better basketball program is, UNC. Who no, has more fans now right now? UNC. No, no, no. I'm no. not backpedaling. Because if you take the alma mater aspect out of Texas, which I'm trying to wait to get into later, and I am Joe Smo, I am a badass college basketball tech, and you're asking me, basketball coach, you're asking me, what is the better basketball gig? That was the question. I'm going to say UNC. And then my second point to your your recent rant. It wasn't a rant. It was a level set, but okay. If I'm at Texas, am I going to work hard to get the top five-star recruits in the country? I mean, I think everybody, every coach does. They're going to work very hard, right? Are they going to expect to get them? Mm-hmm. Is that your question? Probably not. No. I'm setting up my question. Okay. If I'm at UNC and I just throw the name out there, is that a lot easier to get top five recruits in the country? I don't. Just, I don't know. Just, I, just nod your head because it's, I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna shake my head because you because you cannot sell a program to a kid based off a name. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. That's why Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky get the top recruits. Every year. They get the top recruits because they tell them, I'll get you playing time. You'll start early and you'll go to the league in a year. So they throw the name at them. And no, say you throw the playing time. And, and the say the exposure. NBA looks at the University of North Carolina and will draft you. And the league doesn't look at Texas? They look at them, but they're still not as easy to sell. You're on mute. Do you get in trouble? <laughs> yes, Texas gets recruits, but yes, Texas gets recruits, but it's still not as easy to sell as UNC. So this is what we texted about. You're arguing something. The basic, simple question was, what's the better basketball gig? 
UNC. I think, that's where we're get, I think that's where we're getting caught up here because, like, you keep using the word gig. That's all, I, that I, was the first question. I know. Well, I think that's where we're getting separated on this because your expectation is, and my, my interpretation of this question is, what's a better program? Which job do you want? UNC. Mm, if I didn't Texas. go to UT. Mm, I still say Texas, man. Well, I'm sorry to say. See, that's that's where we differ, and I think this is what it comes down to. Is for me, I'm thinking the way that that Dick thinks. Dick is more conservative from the stand. I'm going to bet on myself in the long run, knowing that I can build what I can build because I trust more in my skills to build up a program to be successful. And I'd rather have longer runway than being able to walk into someone who was the shit and try to fill their shoes because it's, in my opinion, so like what is, Roy Williams did. F- after Dean Smith. Right. It takes a special person. It takes a special person. It really so does. So you don't want and to put on yourself to be that special person. No, it's not about that. It's I get because it. I get it. Hear, me, get hear it. me, hear me out. You so UNC fans have seen Dean Smith transition to Roy Williams. They're gonna expect the same thing. The same thing. And I'm not if I'm Chris Beard, I'm not Roy Williams. I'm not trying to be okay, Roy Williams. So then you're ex- Texas is gonna have that same pressure, correct? No, because they haven't had a successful coach and no, they're you know, gonna have pressure. Years. Look at Shaka. They're going to sure. have pressure. Sure, but Shaka had a losing so record in the Big the, 12 and a barely easier, winning record overall. Where's the easier place to deal with that pressure and the easier place to, hey, come come to the school, North Carolina, and let's go? Mm. Nah. I don't, nah. I just Shut up. This was, I disagree with it. I mean, oh, we have sorry, different, we have different points. I disagree. I mean, it's nobody's ever going to put Texas on the basketball Mount Rushmore. It's not going to happen. Sure, after, I mean, let's say they give them a give them a – Geno Smith kind of run with UConn. Oh, so the the one in a million got it. It's possible. <laughs> I I it's possible. Give him the John Wooden run with UCLA. It's possible. Right. So you're still not helping your case. All right. No, I'm definitely helping my case because you're building a legacy. Not, that you're not at all. You're saying what if? Where's okay? So where's the better? Where is it more realistic to make that run at UNC or Texas? I'm going to answer this question twice. My stance here is build the dynasty. That's Texas. If you want to make a run. Oh, my God. <laughs> for the next two years, that's UNC. Yeah, you can make a run at UNC for two years, take a break for three years, do another two-year run, maybe take another break. <laughs> but I, I don't, don't want that. I don't want I don't that. I want, I want consistency in my life. I want a 20-year. I want a 20-year. I want to be Roy Williams. I want a 20-year well, You job. want consistency? Go to UN. You just said Roy Williams at UNC. <laughs> Yeah, but I will forever always be in Roy Williams' shadow where I could build my own shadow. Or Dean Smith. <laughs> but who, when you think UNC, you think Dean Smith or Roy Williams? Dean Smith. Okay, so Roy Williams never outgrew a shadow. You're talking about really close I just there, point. Nah, but I just point no, mark at you. You, you put it. the nail you, through the coffin no, on that. that's not at all. Roy Williams will never grow out grow Dean Smith's shadow, and you know it. You know it. I could never outgrow either of their shadows, so why would I go to Texas and build my own That's fucking shadow? That's very, but no, it's okay to be very. I just pulled a cart. I pulled a cart. I pulled. No, a you did not you. at all. I gotcha. just said they're very gotcha. too, gotcha. because you don't know who Dean Smith is. I anyway, asked you the question. You answered it for you. I said they're very two similar. I don't know how shadows. much of this is going to make it in the episode. This is just us yelling at each other. Good, I like it. All right, let's get into that third dram. This might be our most passionate disagreement ever. I, I had a feeling the, it was going to be. The best thing is, I don't know that we're disagreeing about much other than 
than semantics. No, I am. I wanted to punch you through the through the phone today. Like this was dumb. You try. That was dumb. Like I know you, you just you just proved unproved your point. Like that's like very- that's like saying um okay, flip the script. The UNC football gig is better than the Texas basketball gig. Did you mean to say that football? It, huh? Did you mean to say football? Yes. So the UNC football gig is better than Texas football gig? Yes, that is very that that's is that's the comparable like that's what you're saying. And I probably should have said that in the first two minutes because that would have solved everything. It's the same nah, argument. I might, I might take the UNC one. Oh, my fucking God. Let's get into the third round, people. All right. So like we said, go ahead and pick your winner. Kurt, neither of us are going to seed on this one. So send us an email. Let us know who you think won. And then without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into our palate slash tasting notes of the prideful goat. All right. How do you want to set me up, Dick? You just you just let me know. What do you want me to do? I mean, I feel like I already beat you in the third dram. So let's talk about the palate and tasting notes here. What do you get, man? Remember to hit your mute button. Oh, man. So the palate is not as cherry forward as the nose. I get very traditional vanilla oak vanilla cream like literally if you've ever had the whiskey cake at whiskey cake and the the cream that they put on top of it i got that on this you know what i'm talking about yeah it's a dick special yes oh gosh just drizzle it it's so good on this glass Oh, and, and and the cherry, dark cherries in the palate. There's a little bit of grape, but it is an oily, you know, just cherry molasses on that palate for this. So I get a lot of the oakiness. I think the, the viscous, the oiliness is very much there. Um, it very much coats the mouth early often and lasts a long time. I get a little banana on here. Like toasted bananas, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right word for that is, but like when you, like bananas foster kind of thing. Plantains. Um, plant, plantains. Have you ever had an Elvis burger? Um, oh, it's so good. Peanut butter, plantains. Bacon. It's plantains. That's what I said. Plantains. Grilled. You said plantains. Grilled onions. Oh, so, so good. Anyway, keep going. You know, one thing on burgers that I'm not a son of a bitch about, like, I do love it. I do, but I'm not going to wear a fucking shirt that says it. It's fucking bacon. Like, I love bacon. Who doesn't like bacon? But I'm not a son of a bitch about it. I'm like, I want bacon on, like, I don't know. Well, I don't understand like the whole. You think the Texas like, basketball thing gig about, is better than UNC basketball gig? So I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm, I'm not surprised by anything you say now. I'm, I'm an eclectic motherfucker. We've already established this. So, ah, uh, being an eclectic motherfucker, I do get like oakiness, bitter palate. There are the cherries definitely there. I get so much spice on this though. Like I don't know if it's rye spice, but it's just like barrel spice. And it's very much throughout the palate, throughout the note. It, it doesn't come across as proofiness, but it's just like 
boom, like from the very get go all the way through. And it's almost like, it's not peppermint, but like when you chew, when you bite into like a big red gum, specifically that first chew and you're like, Ooh, I kind of like that pop. That's a very similar sensation, but it's not the same flavor. So that's what you get. That's what I get. What's your grade? An A. An A. Yeah. The only reason I don't give this an A plus is that spiciness is not my favorite thing all the way through the palate. Um, I like it to mellow out a little bit and bring some more depth there, but I would have really loved if that kind of brown sugar sweetness, red fruit was more palate forward than it is on the actual palate itself. But I mean, that's, that's kind of like, it's argument semantics at that point. I mean, it's so good. It's hard not to give an A plus, but for me, it's an A. I'm going to give it an A plus. And it may be the Houston bias on this thing. I, uh, I don't think it's a Houston bias. There's a, I think it's the experience bias. There's a couple bottles. So if I spend a hundred or more for a bottle, I have a, I usually do a pretty good job at, uh, holding on to it, keeping it for special events. It's very hard to do that for this one. And the only other bottle that I can think of uh, that I've done that with was the Garrison Brothers Balmore. Mm-hmm. Similar taste, very sweet, good stuff. Uh, it was supposed to be a special occasion bottle. It, it was gone in two weeks, maybe. And that's what this bottle would have done if I did not have to hold it for this recording. So I'm giving it an A plus. Like this is everything on the palate that I enjoy. And the problem with like 15 and older whiskeys that we've had is that sometimes there's just a little bit of things that are off, you know, that may take it down a bit. Maybe it's maybe not as maybe not as strong as we expect for a 15 year old whiskey. Maybe not as bold as we expect. Maybe the palate's off a little bit. This is this is great. I'm giving you an A plus. And I do I do firmly believe that there is such thing as overaging. Um, it, it it's there. It has to be. Um, eight to twelve years. I've read and I would concur based off what I've tasted is like the prime the prime spot. It's very rare based off what I've tasted and Kurt. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. That you're going to get something that's over a twelve year that is worth the dollar amount because typically it's going to be a very rare bottle. And on top of that is going to be something that is, it's going to live up to the expectations, frankly. I mean, honestly, everything over 15 that I've had is at least an A or above. I haven't had anything under. Uh, Some are better than others, but this is good, good stuff. So that's why I'm going to give it an A plus. Fair enough. All right. And so coming back from that, we're going to go ahead and get into our fourth dram. So for uh, those of our regular listeners, it's not quite our normal recording style. We're going to review what we're drinking tonight at the end of the episode. But we did want to talk about the Texas Tech UNC hires, the coaching situation. I want to get Kurt's thoughts on this section. So, Kurt, let's talk about tech Let's talk about UNC. Let's talk about these coaching hires. What are your thoughts, man? So, obviously, I can't redo the emotion of 
the whole point of that recording the other night, it was an emergency recording. Uh, I started it off with Kendrick Lamar's We're Gonna Be All Right. I texted Dick, like, I need to get on the mic. I've got to let go of some feelings. Uh, I had already talked about it in the previous episode because it was a possibility and how I was I was prepared for it, the whole alma mater thing. But that was the whole point of the uh, episode recording because usually we were going to – the plan as Gonzaga – so here's the thing as a coach. You always tell them, make it a 10-point game by half. It is a 10-point game at the half. So Gonzaga did what they had to do to give themselves a chance. Uh, so that was the point. And <laughs> had some strong words. It's a whole other feeling today because Texas Tech made their hire. And boy, oh boy, am I pumped. And I want to just interject right here. that I can just attest to the passion that was there and it was anger it was frustration it was happiness for a guy you care about but at the same time i think where kurt was really trying to get to and where i think he is now was like okay shit's happened where do we go from here where do we get to and kept repeating we talked about multiple candidates broke them down up and down all over the place and we could recap that if kurt wants to but he kept coming back to Mark Adams is your guy. If you go with anybody else, you're wrong. And I think that's what you're seeing right now is Kurt was right, as much as I hate to admit it. Yeah. I I, I, I literally threw a fist bump and I texted Dick because I said, "There's just keep it simple. Keep the train going. This is the guy behind, and I guess we're talking about the Texas Tech hire before the, the UNC, but that's okay. I'm fucking pumped. I got the Cowboy bourbon. We got the news today, uh, you know, a couple players have already said they're staying because it's Mark Adams. The He is the wizard. It's no secret. He's the wizard behind the defensive plan that has been so successful. I love the fact that they did go ahead and interview Darvin Ham, Mr. You know, Backboard Breaker alumni. Uh, it gave him a chance. The only issue with that is when you do that, and it's there's obviously going to be contradictions such as Jawan Howard. When you bring back old stars, like things have changed. This is not the same Texas Tech basketball that was around when Ham was here. So it's going to be hard to emulate the recent success. Mark Adams, you're not missing a beat. And I even felt like this relief, like, oh, wow. He's been an assistant. He is West Texas born and bred. He is Texas Tech. He has been there while the success has been going on. Some would even say he's kind of mentored Chris Beard. He's had a very small school upbringing such as Chris Beard, and you got so much respect that the second the news broke, all the comments were, okay, to make a comparison, there was a lot of who when Matt Matt Wells was named the head football coach. That is not the case here. There is a lot of love, and it's an exciting time because maybe it just keeps going. And I'm excited to see that. Um, Could that be because Texas is a basketball state and actually knows who the assistant coach is? Texas is a basketball state only to second fiddle to uh, football. But, yeah, I'll agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Texas – The recent success of Tech has (laughs) – No, Texas Tech has become a basketball school. I mean, there's no denying that one. Um, There's no denying it. Um, So, yeah, that was good. A a West Texas guy who – wants to stay there he could have very easily gone to ut uh with beard and during the recording i i i I know no i i'm not wishing the tom herman effect on chris beard okay 
I'm not wishing the grad assistant goes back to his alma mater and doesn't succeed. I hope Chris Beard succeeds. And I can't wait for the Chris Beard, Mark Adams showdown that we get in the next couple of years. Yeah. Sometimes the assistant coach actually knows more than the head coach does. Um, it's especially very, when it comes to game plan and scheming. It's very Cobra Kai versus Miyagi-Do Jim. Effect mm. Indubitably. All right. So you, you made, you made a comparison. You made a statement. Sometimes going back and getting your successful alumni is not the right choice. It's not the right play. Well, let's talk about UNC because it's kind of a hybrid situation of a long-term assistant who used to be a star for your program, right? So I'm not saying it's the exact situation, but it's an interesting comparison. Hubert Davis got hired as the UNC head coach. So we're talking about someone who was part of that 1991 Final Four team and ultimately you know, went around, got drafted, played in the league for a little bit, and then Roy Williams brought him in when he had no coaching experience and brought him onto the staff, and he's become a key integral part of this UNC success. And, Kurt, I know I always do this, but I really want to get your take on it because you're closer to this kind of stuff than I am, right? I tend to take the more whiskey, high-level, let me throw some crazy-ass situations about you and let Kurt kind of fight through the mud to figure out exactly how Dick is right. But here... What are you thinking, man? Similar situation. Um, he hasn't been away from the program. You're not bringing in an, an alum who hasn't been around the program, who doesn't do the, you know, shows up to a couple games. Doesn't, doesn't know the kids, doesn't yeah, know the ins and outs. Uh, he's been there. The kids know him. They've played for him. You know, he's given them the big speeches and touring to him at practice. It's a little different from the guy that is the big name. Uh, you know, nothing against Ham. You know, he, he's been there. He's been in the pros. Uh, but these guys love Mark Adams, and they probably feel the same about Hubert Davis over at North Carolina because he's been there on the sideline. So I think that's different. Uh, I, I I don't have Juwan Howard's information right in front of me right now, but I think I don't sure. think he I think he was on you know the NBA sideline for a while. He was doing the developmental league, but it's worked out for them. I mean, heck, I think that's a valid point. I, I like what you're talking about as far as like being around, right? Being there. It's a stark contrast between taking over a successful program and a program that needs a rebuild. Neither of these programs are programs that need to be rebuilds. This is someone taking a stick and running with it and making it better. Like this is someone taking the resources, the attention, the recruiting prowess out there right now. You have a name to sell. It's taking that and building it and making it better. I firmly think from like a business perspective, and I'm curious, you're in a different industry than I am, but from a business perspective, if you've got a team that's gelling, work team, sports team, whatever it is, and your leader says, hey, I'm going to go in a different direction, your team kind of already has this like culture and this mantra of doing well or succeeding. And sometimes bringing someone in from the outside that has no idea what to do and just like, it's like a shock to the heart, right? Like, a, like an AFib it's not going to make it better. Sometimes it can make it worse. Like you really need someone that maybe is from within or familiar with the ins and outs and nuances to kind of just take the stick and say, all right, guys, let's, let's keep rolling. Like we're winning. Why do we need to do anything better? Like we don't have to rebuild this from the ground up. 
And I feel like both of these hires are in that same kind of vein where let's keep doing what we're doing. Maybe, you know, modify a little bit, a little bit from direction, but it's not a, we're in the dumps. You know, we need to bring in a urban Meyer to the Jacksonville Jaguars and restart this shit from the ground up. It really is a situation of, we know what success looks like. We can repeat that. We may just need to like change the game plan a little bit. Um, I think these are both the right hires. I really do. I think you nailed nailed it. Take the guy that knows what it means to win, knows what knows your people, and roll with it. Yeah, because you can't. It's not easy to emulate, you know, distant success. And I I don't know if I talked about him on our rant, and he may be in that rant. I know in the show I talked about him, but the whole Matt Daugherty Matt Matt Daugherty hiring back in the day for UNC was an alum, great player for them. I mean, he hadn't been with the program in you know, almost 20 something years. He had coached at other places. He had been at Notre Dame. He had been at Kansas and then they brought him in uh, and he just flopped at North Carolina as compared to these guys who have been on the bench and they're just going to kind of keep going on a personal level. I was never in a coaching situation where somebody got promoted, but I was on a coaching situation where somebody new came in and it literally is redrawing the blueprint. Uh, you know, coaches are getting let go. New people are being brought in, you know, from warmups to how we start the mornings to how we spend our nights. Uh, you know, it's a completely different thing. That's not going to be the case in these two situations. And here's the cool part. They're going to keep what's been working and they may bring in their own things to change it up just a little bit. And that's never a bad thing. Like a not good- at all delicious restaurant menu sometimes you've got to change it up a couple times so i'm exactly i'm I'm wishing these guys luck and i'm i'm telling you it just was like everything is going to be fine over there in west texas so you mean like we gonna be all right we gonna be all right all right all right all right all right little texas reference there for you I, I, I do I do have to talk about the best thing that won't make the show. So we were on our fourth ram and I was I had been downing some. And I had this epic speech that was like, you know, I can't blame Chris Beard. And I said, Dick, if I told you a coach that left his Big 12 program at the top echelon that had lost a national championship game. And then he went to his alma mater to live his dream and do good things. Who would I be talking about? And, and I said, Roy Williams. And I was like, yes, I got him. No, no, you didn't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Chris Beard. He said, Chris Beard. And I was like, I'm actually talking about Roy Williams. Absolutely a moment I can't recreate, but I had to mention that, man. I had to get what I thought. No, I, but, I, it was a great moment. I, I was really pissed when I went back and saw the recording and like we died right there. Died on the vine. Hey, but, but we're going to keep going. You know what? It's not about focusing on the losses. It's about focusing on the success and figuring out how you make it a little bit better. And that's all we ever do here. We're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to get to the next dram, get to the next goal line. And right. I don't want to close this out. I don't want I don't to do it, man. I'm not ready. Well, we won't close out. We will. Our goal goal line will be all whiskey talk because we have not talked about whiskey other than what's been in our glass. All right. So uh, 
something else that we unfortunately lost out was our overall rating on prideful goat we got the nose we got the palette uh and then we gave our overall ratings and we'll go ahead and do that now there was nothing to not like about it we thought the nose was strong we thought the palette was great uh if you listen to those it was cherries repeated repeated and it was just a real solid overall glass we talked about pricing we talked about how this was totally worth it at what i bought a hundred dollars uh i think they sold second the second batch for 124 outside of that tasting that i went to i would pay 160 easily if you twist my arm i would spend 180 you make a comparison to other 15 year bourbons and this is up there it was so good i had to give it a solid a because when you when you say a plus then you're talking about you know my george t stags um my Pat happy baby yeah you're, you're talking about those and and this really wasn't that much of a drop-off but i'm gonna give it a solid a dick i know you enjoyed it give us your overall rating on that prideful goat yeah kurt i'm, I'm not gonna stray too much for me on this um be a loyal a loyal bitch um the only things that pulled back the palate and I talked about it a little bit where just some of the, the, the spiciness, like the, the bitiness to it, but that wasn't negative, right? That's just the experience. Um, but when I think you talk about like atypical bourbons, like what you like, what you love, this was it. We also talked a little bit about that like eight to 12 year sweet spot on bourbons, right? Like that's where the money is typically what you're getting bang for buck wise and like flavor palette wise that's where like the good stuff tends to be. And then there's this conversation about like over aging and there's very few that I must say that aged over 12 years. We've had some of them like Sam Houston 14 that are a little bit outside the palate, right? They're a little bit outside of the, what you want it to be. You kind of put, build up these expectations because it's ultra aged. This doesn't do that. Like 15 years in a cask, like, this is everything that's sweet and spicy. Like, I'll throw this thing at quinceanera. This is beautiful. It, it There's nothing wrong with it. I was going to say 150 on my price point for it, but as you start talking about it more, like, I would be paying 200 bucks. Yeah, I would. I'd good. pay 200 bucks for this. It was good. This, it, uh, does it work? Like, does it, it's, a, it's a special occasion. Bob. Yeah, does it, does it, you know, maybe batch three isn't as, you know, would it maybe, maybe mess up your pricing a little bit? But I paid I paid 110 bucks, 115 bucks, 150 bucks for stuff that I liked extremely less than this. All right. Like it wasn't like something that grew on me. This was like boom, pow, right in the kisser. Beautiful. What we're saying is we like it. Highly recommend it. Go grab some. All right. So let's get across that goal line. But Due to the April Fool's matchup, fuck up, whatever you want to call it, uh, we get to do a little end zone dance tonight, and we're going to spend off quite a while in the goal line. We're going to be dancing here for a little bit. We're going to enjoy the second half of this game for some time uh, because we get to talk about some whiskey. We've got to talk about what's in our glasses tonight. So, yes, different format, but let's get to celebrating. I'm doing the Aaron Rodgers three pumps in the end zone tonight with y'all. This is going to be a long moonwalk out of the end zone for our dance here. <laughs> Originally, when you said do our dance, all I can think is down, down, do you dance, do you dance. Remember that back in high school? I thought of kick, punch, it's all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'm sure you're fine. Did you ever play that video game growing up? 
go for it. Now you made me think of like triple X tricky or it's tricky. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around on time. That's right. It's tricky. White chicks. Um, so on the nose with this, and we we're talking about like a 94 proofer, you get vanilla, you get the, like the red fruit, more cinnamon though. And a little bit of like light, oak, light oakiness. I do get a lot of cinnamon on that bottle. Um, What's your grade on that nose? I'm going to downgrade it from what I wrote. I'm going to give it a B plus. Okay. And we're going to do a very fast mini version of our nose palette. And um, overall, I've got, I, I, we had to do this. Cause like I said, I've held on to this sample for a special night. It's the national championship. Texas tech made a higher. I don't think that's coincidence. I will have 215 price tag in the back of my mind as I'm doing this, but because Dick, you've never had this either, right? No, sir. I have not. Okay. So take everything you know about Garrison's everything, you know, about their, their bourbon that you've had and throw it out the window because you can't, it's not in this glass. And that's kind of the same situation I had going on with their Balmori, which was phenomenal for 160. If somebody told me this was a maple flavored whiskey, I may believe them. Maple syrup and brown sugar are so strong on this nose. And it's good. It's not like an artificial, it's like it's very strong maple burnt molasses brown sugar um as i'm as we're rifting and i'm i'm dabbling at the the tasting notes from the website itself said something about cherry i'm not getting that on the nose per se um ooh, firewood i could see that a little bit but before i even clicked on it maple brown sugar they do say scorched molasses. That is firewood. there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about firewood, but I hate that on. I hate that on so many levels that they put firewood. I'm just gonna because it's Texas. Firewood is not a type of wood. Well, it's not a type of wood. Yeah, but you know what they're saying when you smell firewood. Well, but smoke hickory. Oh, okay, here sorry. comes the encyclopedia oak, of woods. Hickory. Cherry, shrimp, mesquite—they all smell different. Goodbye, shrimp. Yeah, we get. You know your wood. We've talked about this. Um, I like wood. I'm gonna give it an A on the nose. Not gonna lie. Drops of honey. I like the nose. Uh, you talked about your palate already, right? Well, let me go ahead and just give it to you. You like sweet caramel, butterscotch kind of thing. Very. For the proof and the price. Very viscous. More viscous than you expect. I get like a cinnamon apple situation going on. Like I tie that back to like green apples and cinnamon, like green apple pie. Um, a little bit like cherry cola. I did get a little of the syrup and molasses stuff, but the big things are like cinnamon. I'm going to just call it like barrel spice, like rice spice, even though this is not a rye. And then that, that butterscotch is very, very prevalent. Overall, 
I'm going to give the palette an A minus. And this is once again keeping that $28 to $32 price range in, in mind. Um, okay, so the palette here, this is where the Garrison's traditional flavors come through. You can taste the corn, uh, you can taste the Garrison Brothers and know that it's a it's a product there. 133, you you would think that your mouth is on fire. <laughs> I like that text I sent you the other day when we were when we were celebrating Saturday. And I said that I took the 1792 small batch and then I followed it with a shot of the 1792 foolproof store pick. And it was literally like the small batch was the lighter fluid. The foolproof was like the flame. That was a woof. Um, this, is a, this is pretty solid for 133 it's there's heat but it's a flowing heat you know what i mean brush fire not spark you know what i mean um the sugar's there the brown sugar's there the corn is there i'm liking the burn like it's literally just sitting on my tongue and like i said maybe somebody's lighting firewood since you like that so much um but it's spreading it's literally the flavors are spreading yeah, I mean, I'll give the, uh, I will give the palette a B plus. This is not bad. This is very good. Let's save our overalls. Give me some of the, da 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 whiskey news from Dick. Whiskey news from your boy Dick. Like I said, on me, big boy. I love my wood. <laughs> All right, so there, there's two main, I won't say stories, but two things kind of circling around the whiskey web. One of them is Old Forester, the 117 series. So you're going to see this pop up on, I think, ADHD Whiskey, and I think Bourbon Junkies also have it out there, where they're doing the review. I'll admit I haven't watched the Bourbon Junkies review yet, but it's very interesting to see this Old Forester 117 series. I believe this is the first whiskey that the Brown Foreman line that a master distiller who was a female actually um set up and, and basically distilled and was the master distiller i did see that that was that so was cool this is something that's only being sold out of their actual distillery their physical location so i don't think you're gonna see it on your shelves it'll probably be something that's heavily i don't want to say sought after but the aftermarket price is going to be out the wazoo but if you happen to be around the kentucky area and access to it or you happen to go to a bar and you see it it's worth just based off the fact that it's historical with the master distiller. It's a very, very limited selection right now. It's probably something worth bar buying. At least I wouldn't say pay aftermarket prices for a secondary market, but it's, it's interesting. Any, any thoughts you got, Kurt? The whiskey world is becoming the world to be in, in any way to make it more inclusive and, and, and whiskey and and women in whiskey is not a new thing. Uh, they, you know, those are two of my favorite things. That, true, as we make a sexist remark as we're going forward. Um, it's not sexist. <laughs> yes, I, I know that, Dick. Um, no, whiskey is a great place to be. And any way to make it more fun, to change it up, to, to share the wealth is awesome. That's great. It's a it's going to work. People are going to buy it. I'm interested. Um, speaking of interesting, have you ever seen the documentary? neat about whiskey 
Yes, I have. Awesome. We may have even talked about yes. that. But I, I think about that because of the who she started. Oh, gosh, it wasn't Angel's Envy. It was she was the master distiller for somebody. Oak and Eden, maybe. Do you know? Does it, is this making sense? It, it, it makes sense, but to be honest, we don't know most of the master distillers. I don't want to put fake. So. I don't want to put. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else you got out there? What's your, what's in the whiskey world? So just reference the old Forester person I was talking about is Jackie Zycan. So uh, historical groundbreaking right there. The other one is New Zealand. So New Zealand is actually gotten into like everybody else. The whiskey game is said right there. And they've actually made an effort to act. They put forth a definition of their single malt and blended whiskeys. They're not legal definitions now. There's still some, I guess, pushback is the right way to say it. But a little bit of controversy, because if you don't technically make it legal and it's just like an industry standard, then there's no way to enforce it. But we're talking about typical whiskey rules here. Minimum, like their their small batch or their their blended whiskeys have to be New Zealand oats, corn, etc. There has to be a minimum of forty percent alcohol. Like all of these very t- atypical rules, and you can read about it on Whiskey Advocate if you're interested. And then on top of that, they've also laid out their single malt whiskeys, which maximum distillation of ninety four point eight. Well, nobody's making ever clear in New Zealand. It just doesn't make sense. But the big thing is here, they're, they're following the, t- the atypical like whiskey, I want to say bourbon rules, where it has to be at least age two years, has to be, you know, done in 700 liter casks. It has to be, you know, bottled at a certain proof and up. And they're just putting a New Zealand and twist, twist on it. So that twist would be that when you go get a bottle, you have to dress in all black and you have to hit your chest and go, that. That was my best New Zealand rugby all blacks. No? Yeah, it's going to be a stretch as a rugby reference, but sure. Oh, I tried. Continue nerding us out. I just think the cool thing here is you're, you're essentially saying, here's New Zealand's flair on it. I'm curious to see what they put out. There's a couple of distillers out there that may be something to look out for, but exporting rules, exporting laws right now being what they are. I'm, I'm not 100% sure it's something you're going to see at your local specs right now. But you got to do something to stand out in this game. The more, the more you whiskey, do the better. to stand out in this game. Exactly. You know, you're never going to be, you're not going to do Scots like Scotland. So good for them. But holy hell. And I want you to keep giving us whiskey news, but I just got this on Facebook. Texas Tech is having a welcoming party tomorrow for Mark Adams before the press conference. That is going to be a sight to see. And I guarantee you, there are going to be some fanatics there. And I still think he goes pro, but let's say Mac McGlone comes out in the next 24 to 48 hours and said, I want to run this thing back. That will totally flip the script on this story. And it would be so awesome. Just throwing that out there. I think that's a lot more interesting than talking about the whistle pig and Ben and Jerry's combination of creating a the whiskey biz 
uh, topped flavor that is now available as a joint effort between a ice cream company thing collaboration yes ice cream company and a whiskey company so let's talk about the Reckham Tech drunk COVID spreading welcome party is going to happen it's going to be awesome this guy is going to have more support than the Beatles you know what huge speaking of parties are you stoked oh 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 fuck yeah you can for 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 Keith's Entrance? Yes, I am very stoked. Uh, there will be good whiskey flowing, and there will be lots of uh, Tylenol taking. I can assume. As yeah, I'm gonna have to take your regiment that night. This game is still not exciting. There's about 12 minutes left. It's 67 to 51. We'll see how it goes. We've got time, so we're drinking, we're sipping, we're enjoying. We are gonna keep watching, but let's give our overall thoughts on this glass that we have tonight. We'll give you our recorded quote. And then we're going to let you guys go, and we're going to enjoy the rest of this game while we sit back and drink ourselves. Dick, what do you got for that small batch, 1792 overall rating? Yeah, man. So overall, I really don't think this is a, this is a bad buy. If you've got 30 bucks and you're looking for something that gives you a little more classier vibe, it looks good on the shelf. It's a good drink. All things in- inclusive. I'm going to give this thing like a B plus. B plus, bordering, A minus. Nothing to be mad we, at. I think we've talked about it. 1792 small bats, absolutely up there in best bargain bottles when you throw it in with like early times and different kinds of know. Sazerac I, I think Rye. Do you think so? I think it's, I think Sazerac Rye is a fair one. I think we talk early times, early times is like a different level of bargain buy. It's so I, I put, I want, I put early times, it. Evan Williams, Bottle and Bond together. People even say the Heaven Hills, I think it's a seven year, uh, is a bits of Bottle and Bond is another. Really, really good buy for that fourteen, fifteen dollar for a seven fifty. Early times is a one liter for like twenty three, twenty one. Yeah, yeah. But this is a seven hundred and fifty for thirty bucks. I think this is a little bit different class, but it's still worth it. Well, it's funny because even the lady, you know, I walked it up to the cash register. You know, <laughs> I'm in South Texas. Remind, okay, I went back home. And even the lady at the counter was like, oh, mijo, this is a good one. Be careful when you sip this. Like, he was like, I was like, okay, like, absolutely. And uh, that that started the happy banter, like, that's the only way I drink it. And then she was like, oh, I have to drink it with ice, you know, but uh, nothing like going back home. I, I think I miss, I miss being called mijo when I go places. I know. I love it. Um, $29, actually. It was under 30 at the specs. I got it in corpus so corpus christi corpus christi by the bay thank you dirty um, cc 361 represent um all right well so cowboy bourbon i was not disappointed in the palate i was definitely surprised in the nose here's the problem that 215 price tag so you ask yourself, does it get knocked because of that? It does. So I, what did I say? I said nose was an A, uh, palate was a B plus. Because of the two fifteen price tag, I'm going to give it an overall B minus. This is good. I can't see myself spending two fifteen for it, but I can see myself spending like forty dollars for a glass at a bar. Fair. 
No, I think that's a great assessment. Um, me and a buddy, a buddy like Dick, get together, say, let's buy it. Let's I'd buy a bottle. It. Sure. There are a lot of things that are going to taste a little bit better from for below that. But absolutely, I mean, hell, if you want the bottle and you want to sip it occasionally or you want to have it on the shelf, it's pretty cool. Cool story. If you're Texas as shit, you're definitely going to want it. I'm just going to give it that B minus because of that. But I was surprised on taste and uh, and nose. I like it. Uh, but I'm going to give it like, you know, you've seen the bourbon junkies before. They will talk extensively on prices and that does make a difference. I'm going to give it a B minus though. But good stuff from, I, I, I let's say this, the Balmore that I bought for two one sixty. That was absolute A minus. I love that bottle. It was candy. It was gone. I buy it again. I haven't bought it again because there's been others that I've got my hands on. But this is certainly a great product from Garrison Brothers. And you know, if you do make the trip to the distiller, you do get in line. Sure, spend that two fifteen. Grab it. Sure, why not? Is this better? Is this the best Garrison Brothers product you've had? No, I think. Bang for your buck, even even palate. Garrison Brothers Balmore was so good. In fact, every time somebody does the post and they're like, "What do you think? Should I, did I do good?" I always instantly share my bottle and say it's fantastic. And honestly, that has been the best Texas whiskey that I've had. All right, so there you've heard it. This may be second. I'm not gonna lie. It's very good, but even behind the Iron Root. I would put this above Iron Root, and this has won Texas Whiskey of the Year before. So that's a great that's price a great difference. Two fifteen versus seventy. Oh, I'll, I will grab the Iron Root. I, I will there probably never buy a bottle of this unless you literally drug me out to to Hayes, and I'm there, and I'm like, yeah, let's get this. Which I'll probably do next year. So. Well, then I'll be coming home with the bottle. All right. So with that, I think you got a little bit of an understanding of what Kurt and I were ranting about going back and forth on all of the quintessential conversations about what's important in our life because we don't want to work is who's the best coach and why? What's the best program and why? And then a lot also a little bit about our whiskey news, our whiskey thoughts, and a couple good reviews in my opinion. I'm going to go ahead and just lay out the socials here once again for thramagold.com for thramagold.com hit us up on instagram and twitter for thdram and then also with the facebook we want to know a little bit about what you think about the show but we also want to know what your friends think about the show so don't be afraid to share our podcast with them they can find us on all the podcast streaming apps and then send us an email we pull it in time and time again we want to know what's going on we want to know your thoughts and your feedback but before i hand it off yeah we do uh we are getting the 200 on our instagram that uh, that is awesome keep those coming we did actually have a question this uh week and we said we would shout it out but the question was what did i think of the Chris Beard leaving to Texas. We dedicated a whole recording to that, so I won't I won't go on that. Shout out to the Lone Star Barrel Club down there in South Texas for reaching out and giving us questions. Cheers to y'all. Thank you. 
So, Kurt, before I hand it off to you for the quote, I have to ask you a question. You didn't give me an answer when I sent this to you. I saw it on SportsCenter, and it was a tweet. Who wins 1v1 with Space Jam 2.0 dropping? You with LeBron's build and athleticism, but your basketball skills. Or LeBron with his basketball skills, but your build and athleticism. The floor is yours. Uh, I told you I'm a beast, so it'd be good for him to have my body. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a, I'm dead bot, so uh, my belly button would be hitting him in the ear all day. And it'd be a close one, but I think me with LeBron's size, he'd be clapping at me a couple times. I, I, I would take me in that. I have the confidence to say that. What about you there, dick? I'm going to go LeBron with his basketball skills, but my build and athleticism, because there are guys in the NBA who are my size. Like JJ Redick is my size, maybe probably a few few pounds trimmer, but he could succeed with his skills. He could succeed with his skills in my size. LeBron has finally tuned his body into a science experiment. So you're, I mean, you saying you is not taking it. It's actually giving him props. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. It's just I want to take the other side of the coin for it. Think about it at home. Tell us what you think. Email us. Tell us that, you know, dad bod with LeBron skills can bottle up on LeBron with dad skills. So, Kurt, without further ado, go ahead and hit him with the quote of the episode. Absolutely. I'll keep it what it was for the recording the other night because I love this guy. He's a, a large reason why I did get into coaching. I've got the black Texas Tech sweater on. I'm going with the Bobby Knight. This will help you pick your head up whenever your coach leaves, whenever your favorite player leaves, whenever it's a new regime. Everything's going to be okay because at the end of the day, like Bobby Knight said, the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It is the will to prepare to win that is important. To Bobby Knight, we love him. The next snap, the next stram. Go ahead and pick a chair up and throw it at him. Drink on, drammers. Yeah.